Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Thank you for tuning in to the Skill Stadium podcast, episode 100. I'm your host, Keith Williams. Every week, we invite you to join us with our conversations with leaders in the skilled trades, business owners, hiring managers, educators, and the professionals that are working in the trades. You're going to hear them share their stories, advice, job opportunities, and you might hear if they are hiring. If you find value in this episode, please leave a five-star rating and share it with someone who would benefit. Thank you again for listening. Today, I have a special guest. This is my actual first guest that I had back in the summer of 2020 when I was just getting started. This was episode number one. So this is a very special guest. I'm really excited to introduce this guest. My guest is from the metro Atlanta area, attended UGA, studied welding at Lanier Technical College. She is involved in the American Welding Society, where she is a treasurer of the Atlanta chapter. She is currently working as a welding instructor for Fortis College in Smyrna, Georgia. She's very active on social media promoting welding, and she goes by the tiny welder. Please welcome Rachel Lee to the Skill Stadium podcast. Rachel, how are you this morning? I'm wonderful. How are you, Keith? Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much for being on. Wow, this is awesome. This is where it all started. Hey, Rachel, um, I have to ask you, you are so active on social media. How do you come up with all the material that you do and still manage to work? You have a lot of great content. I really appreciate that. I don't really scroll social media for fun very much anymore. When I'm scrolling, I try to find accounts that have good content themselves, and then I just share what they have. Or if it's something I'm curating a post, I try to think, okay, how could this post share information. Obviously, I want to have like a cool picture or a video, but I want to also share information about welding and what our students are going through or what I'm going through, certain things that I've seen. Just try to keep it engaging and interesting, things that I would want to see. That's what I try to post. Yeah, excellent. And it is a full-time job, mixing that with being an instructor. And then after I'm an instructor, I go in to work for an electrical contractor. It's a a full-time job. But I love it. Definitely, definitely. Well, you have to you have to have passion for it. It's it certainly shows in the work that you do. I also see you on LinkedIn now, and you weren't on LinkedIn before. How do you like LinkedIn? How do you like that transition? I really like it. The uh, CEO of the American Welding Society, Gary Konarska, was actually one of the ones that pushed me to get on LinkedIn. I really enjoy it. It's kind of like a professional Facebook where you can share things that you're doing. Employers can share job postings. I've actually gotten quite a few job offers through LinkedIn, but I'm happy at Fortis. I love being with my students and being an instructor. And for right now, that's exactly where I feel like I'm meant to be. Definitely. Now let's talk about that. Why did you decide to pursue a career in teaching welding after you finished your schooling? It's actually really funny you you asked that because I actually had no inclination to pursue being an instructor. It kind of pursued me. I went to Fortis College to do a, a membership presentation with the then chairman, Renee Angeron, and we spoke with the students and 
we got them engaged, talked about all the benefits of becoming a student member and what the American Welding Society really is as an organization. After that meeting, the program director actually had to ask me a few times to apply for the job because he saw potential in me. I'm really glad that he did. He saw something in me that I didn't see myself, but I can't imagine being anywhere else than at Fortis teaching these students basic fundamentals and then going through the, the whole program to see them come out a skilled welder and getting jobs and really taking pride in their work. It's, it's the most rewarding job I've ever had. I also believe if you can teach people, it means you can do the job really well. Like it, I gotta believe that helps you to really improve your skills and just be real knowledgeable in what you're doing if you're teaching it. Definitely, I think you have to have a really good understanding of the material before you can take that and instruct someone else how to do it. I was that type of student when I was at Linear Tech. My instructor would constantly challenge me, you know, bump the machine up a little bit dial your heat back down and see what it does. You know, don't be afraid to take something out of position or work around a shape, take things that are different shapes and work around them because you want to see, you want to throw everything at yourself right now so you're better prepared when you get out. And I definitely see a translation of that now that I'm an instructor. I encourage my own students to do that, like test it out, see what happens when you run it hot, when you run it cold grab a rod right out of the snub bin and see how it operates. That 7018 that's already been used once, um, see how it does. And I like that. Definitely, definitely. I think just testing, trial and error, just, just testing, testing and learning. Definitely. Can you share something that surprised you about this role? Yes. Going into the job? Yeah. So what surprised me about this job was how much I was going to see myself in the students their drive and their dedication to learning this skill and being able to see, you know, and because currently I'm teaching the intro students and I can see in their eyes that they're already picturing themselves out in the workforce, building, fabricating, whatever it may be that they end up going into. And that's, it's very cool. Mm -hmm. And also, I really feel like because you had recently, you know, been where they are, it helps because you can relate to what they're going through, I would imagine. Definitely. And I remind them constantly that if you don't get something the first time, all that means is it was your first attempt in learning and you get another try. We're just, we've got time to keep running it, whatever process it is, we're going to run it. And in, when you do it good, I want you to then keep doing it. I want to see that good result 10 times, a hundred times until you, it's just muscle memory at that point. Definitely. Definitely. Do you think that the students now are comfortable, like they're not afraid to fail. Are they willing to try things? Are they asking you a lot of questions? What's their process of getting through this? Yeah, so uh, especially with the intro students, when they come in, they're very timid. I will have a few that are excited, want to get hands-on immediately, but then I have select few that they're just a little bit slower to get into the process. But in that intro mod, we incorporate the simulators, but I'm also incorporating bringing them into the lab and showing them how to run a 6010, a 7018, showing them how to run MIG, how to run flux core, what it's like to operate TIG and incorporate both your hands, things like that. So they're getting a taste of it even in that intro mod. Excellent. Excellent. Can you walk us through a day in the life of what it's like for their students? So what what is, just walk us through a typical day, please. Yeah. So on the day-to-day, we start class at 8.30 in the morning, Monday through Thursday. I always start with my classroom instruction. So 
That day we may be talking about something that directly pertains to their homework, whether it be going over a chapter and some of those review questions. Sometimes I'll find PowerPoints or create PowerPoints that I can show that talk about the different processes. And I'll find a video. Weld.com with Bob, Bob Moffitt is my go-to. I love showing him Bob's videos. He just does such a good job of explaining the material and the different processes and showing those students because they actually, he welds and the camera guy gets in there and actually can show what the puddle's doing, what happens if you long arc, all the things that I can show them in the lab, but it just, they enjoy those videos or currently because I'm an intro, I get to show them videos of what happens if they, if an argon tank or if a acetylene tank explodes. When I'm getting to teach them what argon is, the fact that it's an inert gas and high pressure cylinders, how to operate a fire extinguisher, all the different kinds of fire extinguishers. So I'm able to engage them in the classroom for 45 minutes with my instruction. After that, we go into the simulation lab and they'll run a different process and a different position. They have to achieve a score of at least 90 to be considered they've passed that process to be able to upgrade into the actual welding lab, but they're able to see all the different processes there, stick, MIG, flux core, TIG, and of various different metals, and they can do carbon steels, stainless steels, aluminum, all on this one machine. Yes, it's virtual reality, but it also shows them how to read that puddle, what to look for for their rod length, or I'm sorry, their rod angle, their travel speed, all those things that are going to be crucial in the beginning stages once they're in the lab. After that, we usually take a break and then not every day, but I try to incorporate, okay, let's split into groups. The first group's going to come into the lab with me. I'm going to run the, the process, show them how it's done, what it's like to have the fumes and the sparks and the noises, just the clanging of the lab, get comfortable with that. And then obviously I would take the other group into the lab. We alternate. And then I bring them back into the classroom. I ask if there's any questions about anything that they saw in my instruction that day. And if they don't have any questions, I just remind them to do their homework and I'll see them bright and early the next day. Now, when they have homework, is that more things that they're going to practice on their own or is that actual theory, like written work? It's like theory and written work. It's all about... Depending on the different process that they're learning about, it might be contact to work distance or the different shielding gases, the different equipment and setup, maintenance, all very important pieces of information. So that week, I'll look at what homework assignments they have and I'll kind of curtail my lecture to circulate discussion within the class about that homework. So it almost inspires those students to be, if they haven't done their homework yet, to be like, well, what were they talking about? I'm going to open my textbook and try to figure that out. Because there are, I have stellar students this mod. They're doing their homework. They're turning it in early. They're just, it's a really good group of guys that I, I'm excited to watch grow over this next 11 months and to see what they do when they get out. Excellent. Now, you said they have to score 90%. What is the biggest challenge for them? Because that, I mean, that sounds quite challenging. That's some pretty high standards. What would you say are the biggest challenges that you're seeing for these students when they're in the program? Yeah, so with these machines, getting a score of 90, that means that they're really close to having all the fundamentals down. They're 
arc length, their travel speed, their work angle. Setting up the machine gives you a score also. So the challenge is just keeping them, because once they get that 90 score, because they don't start off that way, but they start to figure okay. it out, because this is the video game era. These They were raised playing video games. So they get really good at realizing, okay, I need to focus on these key areas. Maybe it's their arc length and their travel speed. So I'm going to slow down a little bit or speed up a little bit. And I'm going to make sure that I keep my filler rod in that puddle all the way across that pass. Once they do that, I, I kind of up the ante. I'm like, okay, you got it in that position. Awesome. I'm so proud of you. Let's take it a different position. Let's take it vertical. Let's do overhead okay, you've done all that. Let's move on to a different process and push you, just continue to push you and use this energy to just learn as much as we can here that you can translate into the actual welding lab. Yeah. You're building on the momentum. So they're doing well. You're like, all right, give me some more. Yes. Give me more. Exactly. I I'm like your that. little cheerleader. I'm like, yes, good job. Do it again. <laughs> I like that. I like that's a great style of teaching because you don't get better if you're not challenging yourself. You can't get comfortable. And I like that. You don't sit there and let them settle for, okay, we've done this. All right, let's go. Let's do some more, you know? And it's like, how the school saw things in you that you didn't see in yourself to bring you into this role. I'm sure you're seeing those things in your students that they're not seeing in themselves. And that's how you're pushing them to do better. So Rachel, what advice would you give to new students to help them prepare for this program, for the challenges that they might face? What, what can they do to prepare? So I think the biggest thing that students can do to prepare for the program is get ready to work really hard for 11 months for a big reward at the end. This means making your schoolwork a priority. I know a lot of my students, they have home lives, they have work lives, and then they have their school lives. So I try to help them a couple days a week or one day a week, let them do some homework assignments in class, but that's not always gonna be the case because we have stringent things, uh, act goals and activities that we have to do in the lab. So if we do have any extra time that week, I'll give them some time, but they need to set aside time on their own to read the chapters, immerse themselves in the knowledge, and try to get as much out of this program as they physically possibly can. Makes sense. So just making priority. Definitely. And it's like anything. It's like school. If you study, you're going to get the results, you know, if you put in the time. So I think, I think most students should know that it's, you know, it's common sense. Can you share a success story of any of your students that's something that kind of stands out to you? Yeah, so a success story would be one of our recent graduates, Michael Marshall. He came to Fortis to basically get his certification and his diploma in the welding program because he had been laid off at his other job and or let go and wanted to learn something that he can make a, a career out of. He wasn't our traditional student. He was a little bit older, but... He was one of the hardest working students I've ever seen come through the program at Fortis. He was there early. He was ready to work. He actually had, um, he's a veteran and he had a little bit of a sciatic nerve pain. He worked through the pain for weeks. And when he got out, he was actively trying to find a job. And I have no doubt in my mind that he's probably already been picked up. I haven't talked to him in a few weeks because he's left the program, but I know that when I check back in with him, he's already going to be placed somewhere and going to be loving it. He, We have our star student or our welding achievers here at Fortis, and he got the welding achiever award, his picture on the board, 
so many times just because he always set the bar really high for himself. And that's what I try to strive my students to do, but some of them just do it on their own. Like Michael Marshall was one of yeah. those. And you know what? I'm sure that other students were inspired by him. I'm sure he's raising the level of other students because they're seeing Michael Marshall who's doing so well. I mean, it, it, it can't help but influence you to work harder. Definitely. The other students would see how hard he would work to clean out his booth at the end of the day. There was no grinding dust. There was no slag on the ground, no used stubs. He got every single one of those. Um, and it encouraged the other students to kind of take pride in what they were doing and how they were operating as a student. Themselves. Yeah. Also, I think the fact that he's a veteran, that helped. Military veterans, they, they're there's a discipline about them and there's a professionalism that they bring to the table. And I have no doubt that he's got a good job. <laughs> I'm sure he's doing very well. That I'm sure of because we, you know, we, I, I, most people respect veterans. And so, you know, and I definitely, and I actually have quite a few veterans. Like I've had a few veterans in my classes and currently I have quite a few and they are some of the most dedicated and engaging and just disciplined students that I have. They make sure they do their assignments. They clean up really well. I don't have to go back after them and be like, hey, did you clean your booth out? They they take it upon themselves. They have a lot of mm -hmm. pride. Mm -hmm. And I think also people who've had some life experience, they know what they want. They're not here because someone told them to go to school. They're, they've made a conscious decision to be in that program and, and, and to do those studies. So they're they're pretty serious, I would imagine. Definitely. So why should prospective students consider Fortis? Why should they go to your school? Yeah, so they should think of Fortis because it is an 11-month program that while they're there, they'll learn stick, MIG, flux core, TIG, oxyfuel cutting, plasma cutting, fabrication, and all those different processes that I just mentioned because they'll learn the fundamentals, but while they're taking that fundamental class, there's also a fabrication element included in it. So they're going to see those um, taking raw metal stock and turning it into a finished product. Fortis is also, we have kind of smaller class sizes, so you get hands-on training. Like you're always attended too. Another thing I love about Fortis is that everything's broken down into six-week mods. What that is, it's basically our semester. So you have six weeks where you're just heavily immersed Monday through Thursday for four hours in the morning or if you're in the night classes. Yes, yes. Oh, wow. No, that's intense. And, and I like the fact that smaller classes, you know, because you seem to know your students, you're engaged with them, it makes a big difference in what you're going to learn and what you're going to pick up. You're not lost in the mix. So I do think there's a tremendous amount of value there. So folks, if you're listening, Fortis College, strongly consider it. Definitely, definitely. In Smyrna, we also just recently became an educational institution, and that offers a plethora of benefits to our students. It, it came with three memberships for our instructors so that they can stay up to date and all the current knowledge and information that's coming out of the American Welding Society. It also gives our college discounts on different resources like code books and things like that to supplement, to give to our students so that they can be seeing these things and learning these things at this early stage in their career. And then it also, because Fabtech is going to be in Atlanta this year, our students are going to be able to go to Fabtech and get free entry. So that's a huge plus in and of itself. Can you tell us why people would want to go to, can you talk about Fabtech for people who don't know about Fabtech? Why would people want to go? 
license. Yes. So Fabtech, it's a incredible welding expo, basically, or you know anything in the construction field is what I understand. I've actually never been to Fabtech. Okay. This year in Atlanta will be my first oh, year. Awesome. Uh, and I'm actually kind of excited about that, having it in my, basically my backyard. It's going to be awesome to experience all that Fabtech has to offer, but it's a three to four day convention. They host it in different cities. The last one was actually in Chicago and on their website, they've got a few videos that you can look into. It's Fabtech Expo. You can type it into Google. I don't know their exact website, but definitely look into it if you're interested in, if you like welding, if you like fabricating, cutting metal, anything that like that. Fabtech is definitely up your alley. Definitely. No, that's awesome. We'll definitely make sure we put that in the notes. So what's going on with American Welding Society? And why is this organization important for prospective welders and people who are already in welding? Yeah. So the American Welding Society is doing a whole lot right now. They've come out with all kinds of data and information and tried to present it in a way that makes it easily identifiable and easy to read. One of the things they've done is the weldingworkforcedata.com and the jobsandwelding.com websites. Those are things, tools that they've put out to help people stay up to date and knowledgeable about things that are going on in the industry on the workforce front. Like they've got national averages for median salaries. They've got different, like different avenues or careers in welding, they've got those median salaries on there. So you can see what a boiler maker makes, what an iron worker makes, what a pipe fitter makes, what an underwater welder makes. All this dif different information is ready for anyone who's thinking about getting into welding. They also offer tons of things like scholarships and grants through the foundation to help pay for the education of these students who are going to be the next generation of welders one day, welders and fabricators. I really enjoy being a part of the America Welding Society as an organization just because they really take pride in the workforce and us welders. They care about what we face as challenges. They have committees to help come up with ways to change it, change WPSs or change the way that we as welders operate. And I really enjoy that. They offer tons of support for educators, corporations in the form of memberships and conferences. It's an incredible institution. And if you get in as a student member, it's only $15 a year. Mm -hmm. Individual members, we have to pay a little bit more. It's still worth it. I'm going to be an, a lifetime member of the American Welding Society because they want to see me achieve every goal that I set for myself. And they care about every single one of their members. And I can tell you something. I, I mean, I'm our first interview was facilitated by the, uh, I think it was Rene, Rene Angron. I'm butchering the last name, but he was great. He invited me to an event. They're very helpful for somebody who's an outsider. You know, I didn't work in the profession. I'm just somebody who wants to promote the profession. He invited me to an event at Caterpillar, introduced me to you. And so I can tell you just personally, they do great things. And the data is up to date. It's really, they really have good data because I've looked at that information. I've looked at job boards and they are pretty spot on. And that's, that's so helpful for people when they're making decisions now, because you're investing your time and money to get this training. So you're not surprised when you get out. So when people say, here, here's what you're going to make, 
it's pretty accurate. It's not, you know, it's not far off. It's pretty spot on. So I do, I do see that as a great resource. And I just really wanted you to talk about, talk to about it. So no, I appreciate you uh, sharing information about that. So, well, and another thing, so you, you mentioned your first event, like going to the Caterpillar mm-hmm. plant and getting to meet me. Yeah. That's another thing, the networking that comes from being affiliated with the American Welding Society, they cast your net for mm-hmm. you and they bring people into your inner circle that you may not have you know, been able to reach before. Now those people are within reach. And that Caterpillar facility tour, that's actually where I won my membership. That is the pinnacle moment that kicked off everything for me. I won my first year's membership, and from there, I just continued to learn and grow, was asked to be a part of the Atlanta section as an executive board member, student liaison, and now I'm the treasurer. So it just goes to show that when you are passionate about what you're doing, the sky's the limit. You can go as far as you want to take I agree. I agree. And and what's amazing is the president of the organization actually knows who you are. Gary Kronoski. So that that's impressive. You got to think about all the people he meets and he deals with. It says something a lot about the organization. I think there was. And I, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So uh, I definitely, I'm a hundred percent supporter of, of American Welding Society. You know, we have a shortage of welders, which means opportunities. What are you seeing out there? Because you're, you're, you're out there, you know, what's going on. Tell us what you're seeing. Why should people think about strongly consider welding? All right. So I, what I would say to anybody thinking about getting into welding is do it. The demand is there. And when the demand is there, you're compensated for it. You currently, we're seeing a lot at Fortis, we're seeing a lot of employers coming and looking for MIG welders and TIG welders. They're always asking us, who's getting ready to graduate in the program? Who are your shining students? And we can't push them out quick enough to fulfill the need. That also with the fact that the baby boomers are set to retire. So the demand is just going to continue to get greater. And all that means is job security. You're going to have no problem finding work for welding because there's going to be such a need for it. I also tell people who are thinking about getting into welding, I tell them do it because welding isn't like your traditional career where you just have one path that you can take. Welding is like a five lane superhighway. You could be a pipe fitter, a boiler maker, you could go into the unions, you could be an underwater welder. There's so many different options for you. And if you want to continue to move up in the welding world, you could, you could become a certified welding inspector or an engineer. The, the sky's the limit with welding. So if you enjoy what you're doing, but you think, man, that's physically taxing, I don't know that I'd want to do that kind of laborious activity for the rest of my life. Okay. Do it for now and then just continue to grow your skills and your knowledge so that you can become an inspector or an engineer or just continue to grow through it that way. It's an incredible career that you can take pride in what you're doing. You're building things. Your hands are physically making a product that someone's going to use one day. I think that's really rewarding work. I think the majority of things that people would never even think of from the bridges to a blender, a welder touches. Oh, to a table, to chairs. Yeah. 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 And that's just, that's never going to go away. I can guarantee somebody's going to work a hundred years from now when you and I are gone, long gone, somebody's going to be working on those bridges that are out there. No matter how much technology. Definitely. You're going to need a welder in a hundred years from now. 
A hundred percent. And not only that, all these people who say, okay, well, robotic welders are going to take the welder's job. I disagree. If anything, that robotic welder is going to need an actual welder to know, okay, am I getting proper penetration? Is it, you know, if something messes up halfway through that robot going around, the welder has to be able to know that and see that to stop it before it, you know, just continues to get off and ruin that part or that piece. So I, I could see the robotic being welding's going to be here. Probably. Definitely. I could see the robotic being a support, a support, something that helps, but not because somebody still would have to control the robot, program it. I could see that being a support possibly, but I still think you need somebody, human hands to make sure, okay, this is correct. This is fine. Robot can't really indicate, okay, that was done properly. I just. Exactly. Well, and then you need an inspector, a human inspector to go in and make sure that it, you know, to do the inspecting to make sure there weren't any inclusions or anything funny wasn't going wrong. That's so it has to be checked by a human. Yep. Safety. And that's a lot of things that safety is, is critical. We're not, you know, you think about any infrastructure as like a bridge or something like that, safety and things that you're building. If you're building something for a vehicle, again, safety, we're not taking chances on things like that, you know? So Rachel, tell me what's next for you career wise. What do you think? All right. So what's next for me, I'm going to continue to kind of, I'm going to be an instructor for what I can see as the foreseeable future, but continue to do jobs on my own and build things, fabricate things continue to grow my skills and my knowledge. But the long-term goal is to, I want to work my way up to becoming a program director somewhere and be able to, because I don't think there's many female program directors out there. And that's what I've learned. Being a female instructor, I do bring a different set of skills to the table in the way that I talk with my students and bring the information to them. Not to mention the females that are in the program, they can look to me and go, oh, wow, okay, so, you know, you can be feminine, you can be adorable and cute and be a badass welder at the same time. So I I think I have a lot to offer in that regard. So I want to work my way up to being a program director. And then I'd like to, the more I learn about the American Welding Society, maybe there's a a job for the tiny welder at, at headquarters somewhere at some point later down the road. I'm just excited to see where my journey takes me. And I'm really thankful that it brought me to being an instructor and getting to see how rewarding it is to teach these students a skill that they're going to be able to use for the rest of their life in some regard or aspect, even if they don't go into welding as a career later down the line, if they get fired, if they go into a corporate job and get fired, maybe they lean back on that welding, that welding skill and can make a job out of it that Mm -hmm. way. I, there's a saying, you know, you'll never go without work if you can use your hands. If you can use your hands, you can work with your hands, you're always going to have opportunity. I also feel that the fact that you've gone from student to now instructor, you've got a great perspective that can help you when you get to your next role because of what you've seen. And I feel like that would make you a great director because now you understand how to lead the instructors. You also can be an example for other women who are coming into space because we need more women in the space. There's, I mean, the numbers are under 10%. What, 5%? Yeah. See, I was being generous, but I said under 10%. Yeah. So you need more leadership, but it starts with leadership and it starts with exposure. So it 
people have to see you and other women in the industry to realize the girls and the young women in high school have to see you as a role model and see what's possible. So I believe yeah. that you'd make a great director. I believe that, you know, that, you know, you're, what you've learned will just help you to accelerate to that position. So Rachel, how can people find you? So people can find me at the tiny welder on Instagram. I also have a TikTok. I don't do as much with the TikTok, but my Instagram it's it's always, you know, cool welding videos and pictures of the students just, you know, mastering their craft in the lab and I encourage people to ask me questions if you have questions about welding. I have welding students who are constantly asking me for tips and tricks and advice when they're going through the different processes and I'm happy to answer those. I also if you send me your address, I'll send you some stickers. That seems to be pretty popular. Doing a little sticker swap. Um, it's something I enjoy doing. I So Instagram at the tiny welder. Definitely, folks. Make sure you reach out to Rachel. I can also attest that Rachel is very engaging. She will respond back to you. Everybody doesn't do that on Instagram and these social media platforms. She is someone who will. So please reach out to her. Please follow and subscribe to her social media. Please support her. She's doing great work. Rachel, as usual, I'm, it was a pleasure to have you on and much success. I know you're going to do great things. And I'm looking forward to having you as a guest on maybe episode 200 when you are falling out as the as a director <laughs> or doing any yes. of your dreams and goals you have on your heart. Yes, definitely have me back for episode 200. I'd love to catch up and fill you in and hear what what else you've been doing. I really enjoy your podcast and the different interviews that you get. You you go in there and you get from different people on different skilled trades Thank you. and bringing that information and putting it on a platform to share. I've actually mentioned your podcast to my students a few times, just because I feel like it's so beneficial for them to actually hear from the people who are in these professions and get to, you know, a, a glimpse into the day of the life of that certain person. So I think that's awesome that you're bringing this platform. Thank you, Rachel. I really appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Well, Rachel, you take care. You have a fantastic day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.